Hello and welcome to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions. My name is Courtney. And I am Carl. This is episode 176 and we're reviewing Spy Family Season 2. As always, there'll be spoilers throughout this episode. I feel like I'm kind of dumb. I feel like I'm really dumb. Because... You just realize that now? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> um, because the entire time... I was watching the Spy Family season two cruise arc. I kept thinking to myself, wait, isn't this what the new Spy Family film is supposed to be about? Are they just rehashing everything? You know how they do that sometimes? Like Demon Slayer had the Mugen Train movie and they rehashed it for TV. I was like, are they just going to rehash the TV format into a movie format? And I was like, what the fuck? This doesn't make any sense. Why would they do this? And it wasn't until later that I went back and looked at the mail listing for the Spy Family movie. And I was like, oh, it's a different part of the story or a new concept entirely. Yeah, I think we talked about this before when it was first announced uh, there would be a Spy Family season two. And with that announcement came the announcement of a Spy Family film. So I think this is more in line with like what My Hero has been doing with its recent slate of movies. I think they just announced a fourth movie, which is kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, they'll just keep milking that series for as much as they can. And it, it seems like they might be doing the same for Spy Family just because of how hype it is. But you know, hopefully they don't go too far. But I believe the movie is separate from the canon that's been established in the manga it's an entirely original story yeah and i now that you say that i do remember us talking about that um and i still forgot i still forgot what it was supposed to be so it's the code white film um a cooking competition at eden academy uh the the forgers decide to travel to the meal's origin region where they set off a chain of events um okay interesting yeah and it's been doing really well in japan kind of taking their box office by storm i think for three consecutive weekends it was the top selling movie ticket in japan oh wow and it's earned almost like 29 million dollars at the box office dang well i hope it they bring it to the west pretty soon here because it aired december 22nd 2023 so I imagine, what, by summer, we might get it on our end because it usually takes about four to six months. Yeah, I think Crunchyroll, of course, has licensed the film for distribution in the West. Um, it, it it says 2024 release, but no like hard-coded date as of yet. But I would assume sometime by or before the end of the year. Uh, it looks like, oh, that's interesting. Official Higedandism is doing the main theme for the movie. Good. <laughs> or it's Good. it's Soul Soup. I've I've I follow them on IG, so I've seen them promoting the song. I didn't know it was tied in with uh, the movie. So. Oh, okay, that makes sense. We should share a quick little update about Strictly Anime and how our schedule's looking for the next few months. Kind of a I don't know, like a soft preview to what we have coming up um we won't share too many details you'll have to see when the episodes go live but with the new year it's a new it's new us what is it new year new me <laughs> mm -hmm. so we're gonna try out some fun things this year um at least in the first half of the year and without giving out too much information 
one of the ideas that we have um, for this year is trying out a different type of discussion episode. So of course, we'll still have our typical or our regular type of discussion episodes where we have a specific topic, uh, but we're going to try out something new kind of peppered in between, um, and it'll be kind of an ongoing series of this type of discussion episode. So look forward to that. And we are finally tackling some very well-known anime classics that are highly revered. Uh, also won't give that away uh, ahead of time, but I think there'll be quite a number of our listeners that are excited for us to watch and review these anime. Plus, we'll have our first guest after almost a year-long hiatus of not having guests. Yes, yeah, we, we took a pause on our guests um, after our son was born just because it's a lot to handle and we wanted to make sure that when we have someone on the podcast, we can fully dedicate our time and our, our mental capacity um, to having a really great discussion because we, we really appreciate when our, our, our podcasting friends come on the, the show and, you know, take their time to share their thoughts about anime and the community and whatnot. So I think we're at that point where we're feeling good about bringing people back onto the podcast. So we're really, really excited about that. Our first guest is, it's going to be good. All, all I can say, it's going to be a really good discussion. Plus, we've gotten back into being featured guests on other podcasts. I'm not going to spoil which one. Uh, you'll just have to find out when we make the announcement. But yeah, it feels like 2024, we are back in the full swing of things for this podcast. Now, we say all that, but of course, for our patrons, they get access to our schedule each and every month. So any of our patrons listening, you guys have some interesting things to look forward to and let us know in our, our Patreon comments what you think about the schedule for February and March and beyond. But if anyone else is interested in getting a sneak peek at what types of episodes are coming up on Strictly Anime and on Strictly Jojo, then you can head over to patreon.com slash strictly series. Before we jump into our review of Spy Family, we have another themed Tokyo Treat box to share with you all. And for those of you who aren't familiar with Tokyo Treat, it is a monthly pop Japanese snack subscription box where you get up to 20 exclusive limited edition and seasonal flavor Japanese snacks that are only available in Japan for a limited time. Tokyo Treat wants to invite everyone to experience Japan from the comfort of your own homes through their snack boxes. And for this month's theme, it is be my valentine of course it is perfectly timed for valentine's day and every i mean everything is themed down to the box itself it has this really cool red pink and yellow theme with a bunch of like heart symbols on it um and a lot of like valentine motifs so it it definitely it's it's feeling the love that's for sure yeah, I'm always amazed at how Tokyo Treat themes their boxes, whether it be around a piece of Japanese culture or around a specific holiday. So, of course, it makes sense that the February box would be all about Valentine's, a, a, a holiday that is very well celebrated in Japan as it is here in the West. A little bit more about this month's theme, love is in the air. 
this Valentine's Day. They've packed our favorite treats into the Be My Valentine box to celebrate and show their love and appreciation. Indulge in delicious snacks filled with love. This month's box is filled with favorite treats to celebrate Valentine's Day, such as strawberry shortcake Kit Kats, Pokemon candy hearts, Pedicata spicy ramen, and so much more. So you know we gotta dive right in. And of course, I gotta try the Kit Kats because I, I don't think we've had the strawberry shortcake one. We've had other strawberry flavors, but not the strawberry shortcake because I don't remember it having white chocolate like this one does. Yeah, I remember having a strawberry Kit Kat, but I think that's the other thing that makes me excited about this box is that a lot of, or with it being themed around Valentine's Day, a lot of the items have flavors of strawberry involved in them and strawberry is one of my favorite fruits and also one of my favorite flavors when it comes to snacks so while you're trying the strawberry shortcake kit kat i am going to try what is called the ichigo mugi puffs uh, strawberry wheat puffs according to the fantastic book that comes with every tokyo treat box um, as always it has information about any potential allergens so you know exactly what you're eating and it comes with some interesting factoids about Japan. More specifically, it has a page that talks about any anime that is about romance that you might be interested in. Ooh, which ones? Uh, let's see. I think I think you watched two of these. Uh, one is Fruits Basket. Oh my God, <laughs> Fruits Basket. The other yes. one is My Love Story. Yes, My Love Story. Oh, those are great ones. And then there's one called Rainbow Days that they recommend. I don't think I've watched Rainbow Days, but I'll have to put it on my watch list. There you go. How fitting that Tokyo Treat has romance anime recommendations. Um, so you probably heard me rifling through the Kit Kat wrapper while Carl yeah. was talking. <laughs> while I'm... I'm so excited to try this. <laughs> while you're doing that, I, I'm crackling open the packaging. Crackling open. Cracking <laughs> open the packaging for the Ichigo movie, Mugi Puffs. So, itadakimasu. Here we go. ASMR. Oh, my God. This is really... Okay. This mm. might be my favorite strawberry-based, like, flavored Kit Kat. I think it's because the white chocolate really balances out the strawberry and it just has this overall like nice light flavor that's surprising because i don't really take you for someone who who likes strawberry flavored things it depends and that's why i'm saying that's why i kind of mentioned like this one balances out the flavor nice because sometimes when there's too much strawberry it's a little overwhelming for me but this with the white chocolate phenomenal this is really really good here i'm gonna give you the other one. Oh, thank you you gotta try it it's so good well, I'll try it after I, I just got a second piece of these Ichigo Mugi Puffs. It's a really interesting texture. I mean, it's it's coated like these strawberry wheat puffs. It's like, you know, corn pops, the the cereal that yeah. we have here in the States. It's like a corn pop coated in like a strawberry white chocolate kind of covering. Ooh, so you get like both um, the like crunch of the puff with like the crispness of like the shelled chocolate yeah again i i love it because it has that strawberry flavor and as i take a bite of this kit kat <laughs> i love this as well i already smelled it as soon as i took it i out know of it the smells pack. so good all right so now i'm gonna try the maple donuts right um <laughs> one second i'm almost done with my kit kat <laughs> Uh, yeah, I saw this on one of the pages. It's it's called the Cutie Pie Donut 
Now they're sweet like maple syrup and coated with crunchy sugar crystals. Another perk is that the packaging contains some Sanrio characters. Yeah, this packaging is so cute. Of course it has Hello Kitty on it. I love that. Um, okay, I'm gonna try one of them. So there's like three, four donuts that comes in here. Oh my God. They're so cute. Look at these donuts. Oh, this is so good. Oh my God. I love the maple and like the, the nice coating of sugar crystals it has like this nice bite to it. I love it. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm really enjoying this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, since you're trying a Sanrio branded snack, I pulled out a branded snack as well. This is the Pokemon Candy Hearts candy. <laughs> uh, yeah, it has a has like I, I don't know many of these Pokemon characters. I only know like the first 150 and then the silver and gold. But it has Pikachu. I, I recognize him as well as Pichu. Uh, there's that bunny fire Pokemon and the water <laughs> penguin Pokemon. And... I know all some of our like diehard Pokemon fan <laughs> listeners are probably screaming at I'm us right sorry. now. <laughs> but yeah, I'm going to rip this bad baby open and try one of these I guess hard candies. Did you candies. say bad baby? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that's on theme because they're the, all the Pokemon are chibi versions or like baby oh. versions and they're really, really cute. Yeah, I just pulled out one of the hard candies. They're in the shape of a heart and it has a picture of the Pokemon's face on it. This one has a really chibi face of Pikachu, which I'm going to take a picture on my phone. So cute. And now I'm going to pop it in my mouth. <laughs> oh my god, that's some that's some ASMR right there. <laughs> yeah, this is like um the like sweet tarts. You ever had those? Yeah. Except it's not as tart. Even though this is supposed to be a tart candy, it's the right amount of flavor and just the right amount of tart where you're not like puckering your mouth. But enough with all of these weird mouth noises. Uh but while love is still in the air. Put some goodness in your stomach this Valentine's Day with a box from Tokyo Treat. As a matter of fact, the Tokyo Treat box is the perfect way to say Aisteru to the food lover or full-on weeb in your life. So make sure to use code STRICTLYANIME for $5 off your first Tokyo Treat box through the link in our description, team.tokyotreat.com slash STRICTLYANIME. And yes, they do ship worldwide. Thank you so much once again to Tokyo Treat for sponsoring this box and bringing the love of Japanese snacks right to our home. Here we go. Spy Family Season 2. What do we think about it? What are our gut reactions to the second season? It's a bit of an odd season, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised there wasn't a lot of fanfare about this season. Maybe it's because it was shorter than Season 1. Or maybe we're not in the right social circles online. Uh, or maybe a lot of the hype is more generated towards uh, the movie we just talked about, Code White. But yeah, I, I'm surprised like people weren't going crazy over Spy Family Season 2. Although I guess you had Jujutsu Kaisen kind of taking everyone's attention during the fall season. Yeah, and I feel like uh, maybe Spy Family got a little bit buried under some of the other discourse. But in general, it seems to be pretty well received by fans and by the anime community. I personally was a bit nervous going into season two because in those beginning episodes, I'm like, okay, 
it's more of the same. It's, you know, adventure of the week formula, um, vignettes, and, and that's all great and everything. But there are two things that I've wanted more of, actually three things that I've wanted more of in Spy Family. The first is more heartfelt moments. The second is more plot progression. We were very much lacking on that. And the third is giving your a chance to shine. I think it definitely fulfilled the third thing because Yor finally got her moment. She was kicking ass throughout the second season and I loved the cruise arc. Yeah, I think that was what I was hoping for the most with season two is just more screen time given to Yor. Uh, of course, we've seen plenty of Lloyd in season one, but Yor was always relegated to being just a, a side character. Even though we have this trio in the spy family that each of them needs to be like a main character. Uh, I would say Lloyd and Anya have kind of fulfilled that already, but yeah, season two, we had your stepping into the spotlight for what is called the cruise adventure arc. And it was great. We got a lot of insights and a lot more exposition about her background as the thorn princess and as an assassin. And especially now we know where the Thorn aspect of her, her name Thorn Princess comes from. So that was great to see. Uh, of course, like Yor is one of my favorite waifu. So always got to shout her out when she is just rocking it. But other than that, it was kind of weird with this season because it started off with more of the same of what we expect from Spy Family, which is kind of like this sitcom format little vignettes of what any of the family is doing on a day-to-day basis, whether clandestine or in public. And it's it's not a bad thing that it's more of the same. I think that's what people are expecting from Spy Family. But other than well, that three or four episode arc on the cruise ship, it just felt like a lot of this season was like filler. Like There wasn't much progression in terms of Lloyd getting more of an in with uh, Donovan Desmond. But again, this it shed more light on yours backstory and kind of focusing on what she's doing, which is great. But yeah, this kind of felt like, like something to fill in between the lines before we get into the meat of what Lloyd's actual mission is. Yeah, I feel like we're in the exact same spot in terms of the main plot. Like, we're in the same spot at the end of the season as we were in the beginning. Yeah. So I think that that can be a little frustrating, especially for someone like me where I've shared this before. I I need to have that goal that we're working toward. Even if there's adventure of the week, you know, type of episodes or filler episodes, that's fine. As long as we're making progress to that ultimate goal, to that end goal, then there's something that kind of keeps me engaged, keeps me motivated something to look forward to. And I know that we have an end goal in Spy Family. I just want, as I mentioned, more progression towards that. Um, I do feel like we did get decent amount of heartfelt moments, especially at the conclusion of the cruise arc. There were some things that I think helped solidify um, yours feelings about being part of that family, some things that helped solidify Lloyd's feelings, um, and even Bond. So that, that was decent. Um, but I would like more of that as well. As always, we'll start with a pregame discussion regarding the OP and ED for Spy Family Season 2. So to start off with the OP, we have the song Kura Kura or Dizzy by 
Ado. I'm familiar with the phrase kura, or I guess the word kura, because of this restaurant brand in the States called Kura Sushi, which is like a conveyor belt sushi restaurant. So I guess, is, is it Dizzy Sushi then? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> in, in, like in relation to the, the conveyor belt sushi. But anyways, I think I mentioned this in our Fall Impressions episode last year, but what surprised me about this song is that it's a collaboration between Ado and the seatbelts of Cowboy Bebop fame. So when I saw their name roll up roll up in the opening credits, that caught me by surprise. Although I think I read it uh, in an article before the season came out that they were collaborating on the soundtrack. But yeah, you can definitely hear it in, in the way that this song feels. You don't like the big feet. You know what? I actually grew accustomed to the Spy Family's like, big steps. John Coltrane reference there. <laughs> uh, it, it just, I, I think this OP was meant to be over the top, just like the first OP for Spy Family. I, in, you know, in terms of the visuals, it kind of feels like um, an opening for Archer. Remember that show on, on FX? Yeah. Uh, kind of like that espionage thriller mixed in with like the 50s and 60s pop art uh so i i just grew to love that aesthetic and you know it always gets a chuckle out of me seeing in the beginning the family taking their big steps and at the end when they have the cups of tea in hand and they're still taking the the stupidly big steps (laughs) i think it's a fun op um, I, I I think it fits the spy family vibe. I just think a lot of uh, the okay, so the recent OPs have taken a departure from the spy element of it all. I think they're very much family focused, um, unlike the first OP mixed nuts where mixed nuts <laughs> where um, you had kind of like a 50/50 split. You had a lot of family type of moments, but then when the chorus hit, you had both Yor and Lloyd moving into their their night their night jobs, right? Where they're killing people and they're doing sneaky shit. I, I like that because I, I don't ever want to forget that this show is 50% family, but also 50% spy. I think, honestly, most of the time, Anya seems to keep the spy element of the show alive. Yeah. And I would say like this OP... Compared to the first two, I, I think, like you mentioned, the first OP for Spy Family is more of the spy aspect. The second OP is more about the family aspect. This one is the spy family aspect, especially in the second half when the chorus kicks in. You have the trio and Bond like doing these crazy stunts on vehicles and they're, they're skydiving. And I feel like a lot of that, like we don't see this obviously during the season, but I think metaphorically that plays into what we see of the family during the adventure, or the cruise adventure arc, where they're all. I mean, like maybe not Lloyd so much because he's just there, but in he's a way, in dad mode yeah. the whole time. And then, like you know, there's the bomb threat where he comes into play, but it's kind of like they're all working in tandem, even though they're not fully aware of it. But I think this is what the opening's kind of kind of alludes to. Lyrics-wise, okay, kura kura means dizzy, and it's very 
dizzying lyrics with the chorus you have the translation says rights and wrongs are unstable our feelings gather up on the other side sometimes there is no way to digest it are you going to stand against them without realizing it which alludes a lot to having conflicting or dizzying feelings which i feel kind of mirrors the thoughts that are running through yours head about what she really wants in her life whether it be the money that she is gaining from doing all these assassin missions or if she wants to focus on becoming a family with Lloyd and Anya and and Bond. So very much in the crux of what happens in the cruise adventure arc. Then we have the ED, which is, I don't have the title. (laughs) Wait, okay. Todome no Ichigeki. Yes, Todome no Ichigeki or Finishing Strike performed by Vondi featuring Corey Wong. I don't know who Corey Wong is. Oh, I guess he's an American guitarist. Uh, so he features in some form, form or shape in this song, but I think we're more familiar with Vondi in this one. Uh, Visuals-wise, I love how it starts off with this kind of circular kaleidoscope. Like Anya's watching the TV, and it turns into this sort of carousel or kaleidoscope of characters. My particular favorite in this sequence is Frankie kind of doing like a a pirouette yeah like a ballet (laughs) spin Um, and this one too just like I think the first OP for Spy Family there's this kind of cartoony sketchy style or it's more of like a cutout style which reminds me of that show Madeline I think it was on like Disney the Disney Channel way back in the day yeah Uh, so I I, kind of like that that childlike aesthetic to this um, which feels more in line with like seeing things from Anya's perspective, especially with the family band that happens at the end of it. And I just find it hilarious that Bond is playing like the Congos during that part. I'm glad that he's part of the band. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I really like this song. Um, it fits the same as like the last couple of EDs where it's more of a chill vibe, but Vondi's great. They don't miss like every single op or ed that they've done that i've come across or that we've come across we really enjoy and i think that they have a really varied sound to their music like i compared this song to the opening that they did for ranking of kings and then compare that to the ed that they did for chainsaw man you would never guess that that's the same band so i think that they are really really talented yeah, and even listen to some of their songs outside of what they've done in anime. And it's really hard to pinpoint a genre for them, which is great. Like, I love that they go across genres, although I think they, they fit more into, like, a pop rock category. Is it an actual band or is it one person? Because I'm looking up a picture and I'm just seeing one guy. Um... And a lot of orange and yellow. <laughs> I, I guess it's just one guy. I thought it was a band. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought too. Well, our mistake. <laughs> but you know, I, I'm sure he has a, a, a backing band that helps him with all this stuff. Yeah. Well, either way, talented, great sound, love everything that Vondi does. Lyrics-wise for the ED, you have lines like, the unseeable, scentless, unmistakable future stabbed me in the back. Or I think this is from the chorus, let me stay by your side tonight. Just for tonight, I'm going to be serious. 
even the future we prayed for has a different path, my dear. So a lot of lines that kind of pertain to keeping this spy family together despite anything that sort of comes their way. All right, Strictly fam, time to embark on a carnival of a cruise as we dive into our synopsis and discussion for Spy Family Season 2, the 2023 anime adaptation of a manga series written and illustrated by Tatsuya Endo, produced by a collaboration between Wit Studio and Cloverworks and directed by Takahiro Harada. The second season continues following the Forger family in each of the members' public and secretive antics, including a luxury cruise where yours hidden identity is on the verge of being compromised. So there are 12 episodes total um, in this season, kind of following what we did in the previous reviews. I'm going to call them by missions. So starting with mission 26, follow Mama and Papa. Things become quite the circus as we return to our favorite dysfunctional anime family as Yor fights a pain in the ass while Lloyd takes her on a date to keep her from being a pain in the ass. As Anya and Frankie keep tabs on the clandestine couple, a happenstance poison blow dart from a vengeful Red Circus member miraculously cures Yor of her ailment, leaving our mini mind reader to do cleanup work on the Cirque de Saboteur with a planter's pipe bomb. Thus, date night ends in an S-tier class, though next day Yor still has pain in her ass. This was really cute, seeing Yor out of her element after being shot in the ass cheek. That was like the last thing that I was expecting. But it was just, it was a fun episode. I, I enjoyed it because, I don't know if you'd call it romantic development between Lloyd and Yor, but it was a moment for the two of them to be together, even though the whole time Lloyd was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing wrong. That's kind of a theme throughout the whole season is like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong because he thinks everyone else is always pissed at him. Happens with Anya, happens with the, the silver haired chick. Um, so yeah. Fiona. Yeah, yeah Fiona. <laughs> <laughs> so Lloyd is just very confused <laughs> this whole season, but he takes on a date to kind of preserve the happiness in their pretend marriage for the sake of the mission versus your who on her end she genuinely enjoyed the evening by the end of it and asked Lloyd to take her out again because it's shown that like her whole life she never got to experience that stuff because she was always raising Yuri so she sacrificed a lot of her own enjoyment to raise him and to provide for him yeah I think this was a great first episode back into spy family kind of like a a textbook episode to remind us of all of these dynamics, most especially the misunderstandings that Lloyd has about Anya or specifically here about Yor. It's funny how I think he mentions he had like 800 or so date plans and then that had to be narrowed down to 68 because Yor wanted to walk instead of taking a car to the <laughs> restaurant. So kind of emphasizing the book smarts of Lloyd, but him kind of lacking in the street smarts. But yeah, just a lot of, maybe not a lot, but a little bit of that nice romantic tension between the two as they continue to navigate the the new arena of being husband and wife or, or mother and father in this family. I also love how you can faintly hear yours quivering butt in the restaurant as you know the scene is playing out just to remind you that she is in extreme discomfort also like how i think when the red circus member decides disguised as a waiter uh he pulls out the makeshift bomb but then 
you have the bomb parts that are just conveniently censored. I don't know if like oh, that so was people don't know how to make a bomb, right? <laughs> <laughs> not that I don't. I would hope not. A lot of people watching this anime aren't like bomb makers yeah and i doubt that they'd go to that that level of detail where they would basically show you a tutorial on how to make a bomb in the middle of an anime episode Mm -hmm. in mission 27 bond's strategy to stay alive and damien's field research trip fearing death by delectability bond does his damnedest to bring lloyd home and avoid yours cutthroat cooking concoctions but ends up being lloyd's literal lapdog in a grand theft truth serum assignment Elsewhere, a debilitated Damien, Desmond, and friends go on a camping trip with Professor Mr. Green to learn that sometimes it's okay to catch a fucking break. Honestly, this to me was the weakest episode of the season. I would say second weakest for me. It's just, this is where it was like, okay, this feels like filler. Yeah, like the first part was a fun little little adventure for Bond. Like it's kind of interesting that they have this concept where he he possibly dies if his like precognition power is like gone like it's a signal to him that that's the end of your life because you can't see anything beyond that it's kind of scary if you think about it um it's also interesting that he's now the only one in the family that knows about lloyd and lloyd is like very open with because he can probably be an asset to lloyd in certain situations so like that was all fun and like the second part with damien like it was all right um i think really the only the only part of it that got me interested was when they briefly talked about why anyone would want to go to the west because we never get enough of that we never get enough like talk about the tension between the two countries that's kind of like the whole point of the show um so when they totally missed that (laughs) yeah they just like they talked about it like briefly um it wasn't even much but it was something i guess so all in all um it was an okay episode but then i got really excited when i saw the preview for the next episode and i was like let's go a yuri episode he's back i guess with this episode it was just nice to see bond in action and working together with lloyd he didn't get much screen time in the last year in the first season because he was introduced so late into the season uh but i guess that's what i loved about the first part the second part i could really do without um besides seeing like the sunken eyes on the second grader who's like so stressed about about going to eden academy um just two things with the, the first half how did bond end up on top of a clock tower Okay. I, I have no idea <laughs> you know, bond is bond he can do whatever he wants the second thing is i always try to find the little nods or homages to like the spy film or tv genre in spy family and i think there's one in the truth serum or the manufacturer of the truth serum called born industries it's spelled b-o-r-n but i feel like this is a nod to jason bourne of the Bourne film series. Although I don't know Jerulimus, which is the name of the truth serum, if that has any basis in something we've seen in spy films or TV. In Mission 28, Mission and Family, The Elegant Bond Man, and The Heart of a Child slash Waking Up, Yuri on Ice is tasked with apprehending a dissident journalist, but shows that he still sticks by the Dom Toretto principles of taking care of family. 
Anya is brainwashed by the fictional TV character Bondman and his exploitation of the anime harem trope. And Lloyd learns that raising a child is a piece of work, even just simply raising them awake. You're giving me a confused look about this episode. Was it not this episode that you were looking forward to? I don't remember any of the Anya stuff from this episode. I remember the Yuri stuff. Yeah, it was split into three segments. Yeah, I think that's why I don't remember. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, the first one is like Yuri chasing down the journalist. The second one is Anya watching Bond Man. The third one is... Well, this was like she asked to ride the polar bear at the shopping mall. Oh, okay. Yeah, that part I remember. going to the beach and then Lloyd takes her to a pool but then uh, Anya doesn't want to go in the pool because she hears that everyone's peeing in it secretly yeah 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 okay I, I, I kind of remember that see that's that's the problem with the like the vignettes like the multiple separate stories in mm-hmm. an episode I sometimes like they, they just kind of blend together or there's just too much going on where I'm like I'm only gonna remember the stuff that I think is really interesting. In this case, it's Yuri's part of the episode. So we get another glimpse into his job and how serious he takes it. He's dedicated to this country and to his sister because he wants to do right by his family. And this kind of comes full circle when at the end he sympathizes with that bad guy, um, his modus, motive of wanting justice for his own family. So then Yuri's like, okay, I can relate to that. And then says he'll request financial aid or something for his dad. But he is still a pawn of the state (laughs) yeah (laughs) but the best part of this episode and this is an ongoing thing with yuri the the creator just does a really good job of like finding the the most clever and subtle ways to infuse yuri humor and here it's when yuri hears that one guy say your and he perks up it's fjord yeah but it sounds like your yeah so he like perks up and then he's like, oh, sorry, this always happens. Like, he was just so casual about it. And I'm like, these little things. Like, when he perked up, I was like, what the fuck? Did he just perk up at the sound of your? And sure enough, that was the case. So just to me, like, it's it's so subtle, but it works so well that it's, like, brilliant comedy writing. Just always big siscon energy from <laughs> Yuri. But I guess you can't say much of substance from the other two vignettes in this episode bond man uh the the, anya watching the specific episode of bond man just shows that he's a womanizer and i guess she's influenced by seeing him flirt on tv and that's what she thinks as the idea of flirting well i think you know we get lloyd's thoughts of how he thinks it's a crock of shit (laughs) um but yeah this is this felt like a filler vignette and then the the last part, uh, heart of a child and waking up is, I guess, just reminding us that you know Anya's taking these opportunities to, to be a kid because she was kind of robbed of that when she was experimented on, but yeah, it's nothing too significant, I guess. In mission twenty nine, the pastry of knowledge and the informant's great romance plan two. Learning that Voldemort Jr. is in possession of a pastry that possesses the powers of perspicacity, Anya and her fellow classmates fight over his masterminded macarons to the tune of Old Maid, but she quickly learns that you aren't what you eat. Later, we see Frankie team up with Yor in an over-the-top rescue of a cafe worker's pet feline, but he quickly learns that time spent with cats is sometimes wasted. 
the first part of this episode with the 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 pastry or whatever, meh, it was all right. But to me, the best part was getting another bit of um, romantic, not romantic tension, I guess, but like romance between Damien and Anya. An example he, of his chivalry. Yeah, when he basically went flustered Sunday mode, and I was like, "Let's go!" <laughs> to me, that made it all worth it because I just enjoy. You know, I, I like male Sunday characters and watching Damien get flustered over Anya and try to deny his feelings for her is just really cute. I was reminded of like, Voldemort Jr. I think his name was George or Joji. Just how, Georgie. <laughs> how <laughs> fucking ugly this kid is. <laughs> and I remember that the episode where he thought he was going to move in, in the oh, first yeah. season and it turns out he didn't have to or whatever. Uh, but, you know, I, I, it's great that he's willing to give up his his macarons for his quote-unquote friends and then at the end when you know anya feels the surge of power from the macaron and thinks she's doing her best uh at this test but she ends up being a dunce still that has the same energy of when spongebob is writing his essay and some of these (laughs) and some of these and then it just turns out to be the (laughs) so which by the way i have a t-shirt that just says the, oh, that's right. You do. Um, the same like <laughs> fancy font as the the from SpongeBob's paper. It's like in the upper right corner of the T-shirt. <laughs> I should wear it sometime. Um, so for the other part of this, I got really confused at my notes because um, I was like, "What did I write here?" And I realized I was r- trying to write Lloyd and Frankie, but it auto-corrected as loud and cranky. <laughs> okay so it says loud and cranky talked about the garden assassin group <laughs> yeah <laughs> so anyway <laughs> that kind of well, confused me that, that's a connection that is later verified in this season because the garden assassin group is what yours part of yeah and that's what i was wondering at the time i'm like okay they they didn't verify that it's yours group but i imagine it's gotta be because of the way they're describing these assassins and how much of a, a threat they could be um, so that was interesting that they're starting to drop breadcrumbs about the various groups. And I'm just wondering, like, when is this all going to come together? Because we've gotten breadcrumbs around, like, Yuri's position and how he's trying to find Twilight. And now we've got Twilight, a.k.a. Lloyd and Frankie, talking about the Garden Assassin group, which is your group. I'm like, let's get these puzzle pieces connected. I want to see all of this come together. And then we have the cat part of the episode, which I don't have much to say about it other than the fact that it went so hard with the animation when it didn't need to. Like, why did why did it all look so good? Especially um, at that one part where I think Yor is running towards the cat to try and capture it. Like, it just looked really good. They went extra hard and they didn't need to do that. Yeah, I don't know if like, they're, they're banking everything on making Yor look great in this season which i'm okay with because again we get to see more of her prowess uh but yeah something about this episode looked really good and i just love yours airheaded nature as all this is going on but of course frankie gets the short end of the stick as he did in the i guess the first great romance plan where he doesn't end up getting the the girl in the end in mission 30 plan to cross the border Yor receives a directive from the head of her assassin guild, Savage Garden, to escort a mafioso widow to safety via the very inconspicuous means of a luxury cruise. And what do you have it? 
Lloyd and Anya end up on the same cruise due to a raffle fluke and due to Lloyd needing to utilize his accrued PTO before year end. The Thorn Princess has a chance to bond with the widow Olka and her little graham cracker, but it seems that a couple hitmen on board are looking to chew them out. Here we go. We finally get an arc dedicated to Yor, and we get to see her in action as an assassin, something that we all have been waiting for for a long time. Um, it's a great start to the arc, um, especially in the beginning with Yuri. I don't care what anyone says. Yuri, to me, has some of the funniest moments in this show, especially when the train was pulling away after he made the big splash to Yor, uh, to Yor about how he doesn't need to cling to her as much anymore. And then as he's waving um, the train goodbye, like kind of has these cuts and suddenly it's cut to him calling for her and crying as the train pulled away. I was like, oh my God. Like chasing after it? Too? Yeah, he started yeah. running after it with like tears in his eyes. It's like, oh my God, what the fuck? It was just so good. And again, it's like super short lived. It's not maybe not as subtle, but it like happens, you know, it comes and goes. And I just love it. Like, you don't need to dwell on it. It's the right amount of time to make that comedy hit real well. I was more surprised. Uh, so this is where we get the context behind the Garden Assassin group. And we're first introduced to what's called the Shopkeeper. Why does he look like that? I was about to ask. <laughs> like, <laughs> he looks like he's dehydrated. Yeah. Even though he's in a fucking garden. <laughs> Unless, like, you know, he's so sun-dried from working in this garden oh maybe, maybe. <laughs> uh but the first thing i noticed with him besides the the, uh, the facial features is that uh, his voice um he's voiced by junichi suabe who most people would know as Eraserhead from my hero abakio in jojo part five and more recently as sukuna uh, from jujutsu kaisen so because he has a very distinct voice yeah, I caught that right away, too. Um, it's always nice to hear his voice acting work. But again, it, it's just great to finally get some plot progression and exposition in yours case with learning about, like, we've heard her being called the Thorn Princess for so long. And now it makes sense because it's in line with this theme of the, the Garden Assassin group. So I'm wondering if down the road, we'll get to meet other members of the group. I know we've met who they call Director McMahon. I don't think he was given any super special code name or anything. Or if, you know, we'll meet someone called like the Rose Queen <laughs> or the Venus Flytrap King or something like that. We do have a moment... Um... It's kind of the start of these the heartfelt pieces of this arc where Yor wonders if she can enter assassin career now that she doesn't need to support Yuri and now that she has a family. But then Olka, is that her name? Yes, Olka Gretcher. Okay. Uh, I think Olka questions why that matters if they're just a pretend family. And that kind of makes Yor think about that. And she, she kind of grapples with that throughout this arc about you know, how, what she finds important. Why is she doing the work that she's doing? Does she need to keep doing that work? Is it for money? Is it for her country? Is it for her family? And by the end of the arc, she has her answer, but it is something that continues to pop up over the next few episodes. On the flip side, Lloyd finally gets to use his PTO, which I think is out of the element for him. Although I think the handler 
encourages him to do so. Yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, so I think in a similar vein here in this arc, Lloyd gets to focus on what it means to be a father to Anya. And I don't think he, he has made the connection yet as Yor has about whether this is something he wants to do for the rest of his life or, or after his his stint as a spy. But I, I guess it's a it's a journey for him as well, as much as he kind of messes up a bit along the way. In Mission 31, the fearsome luxury cruise ship, the trip turns into quite the carnival cruise as Yor's team realizes that it's a trap forcing her into her own version of a hitman mission to quietly take down their PTO pursuers. The mission comes to a head as Anya senses Big Bad Barnaby's bloodlust from a souvenir shop and diverts Lloyd into a fashion show, fashion show, fashion show at lunch, while Yor literally goes off the chain. I forget that there's like death and blood and stuff in this show <laughs> we haven't gotten much of that at all until this arc where yours killing people left and right and only kills more people as the episodes go by and they don't hold back like i i just think about all of the moments like um i don't know if it's this episode but when she throws the ice pick through the hole in the door and just like impales that guy in the brain and he's pinned to the wall that's mm -hmm. pretty that's pretty gruesome they don't make it super gruesome but it, it definitely is yeah, it, I think in, like, the first season, a lot of the gruesome details are kind of censored. And don't quote me on that, but I think here in the second season, it's front and center whenever yours in the thick of the action. I think we'll see it in the next two episodes, but it, it's kind of crazy. But, again, it just highlights how much of... how, how skilled Yor is as an assassin. Yeah, she's an insane badass and that, again that's why we've been wanting more screen time for her as an assassin and one of the best parts of that in this episode is when the trio go to the masquerade and she immediately locates like hones in on that assassin mm -hmm. that was trying to you know secretly attack them and you have that moment where her her face like flashes on the screen with like her beady eyes and she like whips her head to look dead ahead at like dead on at the screen honestly it scared me <laughs> i was like holy shit that was intense and then she knocks him out with a button like i love that they made that so like um almost like a jump scare because then you feel what that assassin feels in that moment when mm -hmm. when you're finds him i love how that scene when they're in the masquerade it feels like a stealth mission in a game yeah. Like if you were to play as Yor and go up to these targets and then shoot a button at them from across the room, just had that nice feel to it. Uh, but again, showing that Yor is an assassin that is not to be fucked with. The whole Lloyd and Anya thing happening on the side, like it's it's cute, and I I, I like the back and forth, um, like the whiplash of emotions that Lloyd is having, and every time he's trying to read Anya's face. But what stood out to me is Lloyd asking himself what a normal father would do in the keychain situation because he didn't have parents growing up. Um, I'm pretty sure they established in the first season that he was an orphan of sorts, and that's how he became Twilight and became part of his organization. So he doesn't know how to be a father because he doesn't doesn't have an example of that. So it, it's these like little things that they kind of, you know, more of the breadcrumbs that they drop, uh, you know, throughout the story about 
people's backstories about the conflict between the countries, all that stuff. That stuff gets me enticed. I'm excited to see more of it. I just don't know when we're going to get more of it. What a dumb keychain from this cruise ship. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get how skeletons fit in. It's kind of ironic, though, that you know, Lloyd goes into the fitting room and he's trying all these clothes on and he is unaware of anything that's happening on the ship because usually you think Lloyd is attuned to that. And I think in a subsequent episode, he notes like the SSS agents that are on the ship and that something's going on. But here he doesn't sense Barnaby or hear the commotion outside, uh, outside the souvenir shop as yours facing off against this hitman. Yeah. That is weird, especially because he was able to locate all of the tracking devices and like the listening devices that were hidden everywhere. Maybe he's too relaxed in this moment, which is he needs he needs to be. I or the guess. opposite. Maybe he's too too focused on Anya and mm, trying to make her happy that it distracts him. Yeah, that's true. In mission thirty two, who is this mission for? Despite a bit of stage fright, the fight between Yor and Big Bad Barnaby becomes the circus spectacle for passers by thanks to Anya's quick-witted and dim-witted thinking. Yor is placed in timeout by her director and wonders if she's still about this life, which the Thorn Princess better be for the moment because Anya's off fucking around before she can prevent these assassins from finding out. Just even more amazing moments for Yor. She's got this insane killing intent that takes the other assassin by surprise and she just continues to show how skilled she is i think the one thing with your is that she has to be in the right mindset and has to be like fully focused to have her skills like really come come to light um because she she's talking about how her legs feel heavy and how she's kind of distracted in the moment because anya's right behind her but once she like goes like to to full focus right then she just takes this guy out like it's nothing um i also like the moment with the glasses dude um how he was trying to like pick up on scents for everybody so he went into the hotel room coral blue number one (laughs) yeah and he smelled the air and he could smell the cologne the perfume and he's like but i don't smell another scent so I don't know. To me, that was a really cool detail that I just never thought of. I'm like, of course, Yor wouldn't have a scent on purpose because she knows it'll make her easier to track. Yeah, I don't think how smart that was of her. But also, I just think like this glasses assassin was severely underutilized. He didn't do anything. Yeah. Really, all he did in this episode was I think he was the one that. Um, he was like the de facto leader for the hitmen. Yeah, and he was the one that told your like killing is their reality. No, no, no I'm I'm skipping ahead to another episode. Of, but it will okay in in the next episode. I think, um, I think that's the person that she talks to about like why they're doing this and the guy's like well i'm doing it because i'm trying to put food on the table just like you're trying to do with that and i'm like that's a that's a pretty fair point right like she's also an assassin just on the other side of things but she's also doing it for the same purpose that they are which is money to put food on the table to provide for their families well i think when your comments about like the heaviness in her legs during her fight with barnaby how like she froze up in that moment I think she she mentions in her inner thoughts it's because she was scared of getting hurt in front of Anya and Lloyd. Kind of reinforcing how she's rethinking her priorities now, whether it is to be this tip-top shape assassin or if she wants to 
align more of her time and focus more of her energy on being with her family. Like just that, that crisis she is having that's become really apparent as this arc moves on. There's also the comment from, oh my God, I don't remember his name. The the guy who's with Olka. Zeb. Yes, thank you, Zeb. Um, he makes a com- I think it's him who makes a comment um, to the director and you're saying like, killing and being killed is their reality as assassins and they always have to be careful of war breaking out and that's the same for lloyd right like he he can never let his guard down he can never turn his brain off he can never not think about the mission because he could be killed if he does or he you know something really bad could happen if he does so it's the same thing with your and her organization they have to be equally careful and can never take a breather Although in this episode, he steps out of that fitting room in that really weird cruise getup. And I have to ask, is he wearing an Atarashigako sailor uniform? Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, really super small detail um, that I wanted to also mention. I love how when Yor turns off the light, the screen goes super dark. But then slowly you can see better. I'm like, that's the same shit that happens in real life when your eyes adjust. (laughs) They didn't need to have that little detail, but they did. And I I appreciate that. In mission 33, the symphony upon the ship and Sis's herb tea, yours team resumes their escort mission for the wretched Gretchers under the guise of a fireworks show when the League of Assassins burst in with their own perilous pyrotechnics. The damsel causing distress is nearly put out of commission by Samurai Shampoo, causing her to have a go-beyond-plus-ultra moment while thousands of miles away, her brother Yuri has his own battle with the common cold. And that's the tea. This whole fight sequence was crazy. Like, just so many weird and chaotic moments. Um, Of course, you're being a badass, as always, but everything was so brutal. And again, I forget that about the show, but I I really, really liked that they didn't hold back. Um, You've got, like, the director cleaning up shit with a broom. You've got your, like, going (laughs) after these guys. Yeah, going after these guys, like, one after another after another to the point where they started cutting them short (laughs) and just, like, move on to the next one. (laughs) That was great. And then she has, like, this seven-page Muda moment with one of them. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was just all really fun to watch. And we don't get a ton of action in Spy Family, surprisingly, you know, despite it being 50% spy or 50%, yeah, spy. But here I feel like we got like more than enough action and it looked so good the entire way through but this is also when she starts to reason with herself about why she's doing this job especially when it puts her at risk of losing her new family but she remembers it's she does it for her family to protect them not so much to put food on the table or to get money or you know maybe less to protect her country from bad guys or whatever that's why she's scared because there's so much riding on here basically a lot of her happiness is riding on this and that's why she is best waifu of Spy Family, of course. Uh, stupid question. Where are these fireworks being ignited if they're in the middle of an ocean? They may have like small boats that go a bit further out. Like they store the fireworks mm. on the boat and then they take the small boats out away from the big boat and then they, they light them off. Okay. Is my assumption. I guess that's plausible. Um wanted to note that there is a song insert during this episode as we see the director and your dispensing of the assassins. The song is called Garden, what have you, 
by the series composer No Name, which I think is actually like a, a whole music collaboration group. Uh, very melancholy and melodic song, kind of like that one that played in My Hero Season 4 um, at, at the climax, which song inserts are fine. I just noticed that they amped it up a bit um, in this season. And then you have the Herb Tea vignette from this episode where, of course, it's it's Yuri fawning over Yor, or more so like suffering because Yor is not around, but then having the memory of her taking care of him through the Herb Tea. Yeah, I like that. It was like a, a nice little side thing to remind us that Yuri or Yor has gone above and beyond to take care of her little brother. I also noted that Yuri wants to make the world gentler uh, for his sister because of what she has done for him. Um, it, it's kind of funny because I think Lloyd also fights for peace. Yeah, he right? fights for children um, mm-hmm. to have peace and not have to be scared of the things that he was scared of growing up, which just makes this all even more interesting because you have two people on opposite sides who don't like or trust each other but are doing it, doing what they're doing for the same reasons because they believe that the side that they're on is is the righteous one. Mm-hmm. I also love from this vignette, uh, you know, you're doting so much on Yuri and just cold that the link she goes to is that we, we see her kind of like boils on her face. I think beast, like bark like, stings. Oh yeah, bee stings uh, because she's trying to extract honey and then she just brings in a, a dead boar I, I think there was similar moments in the first season where we see flashbacks to Yorn Yuri's childhood of her, you know, th- this young girl who is covered up in gruesome details. I think like when she was covered up in blood in the first season and she's like, hey, I, I got us dinner or something or uh, got us some money to, to pay for food. But yeah, it, it shows the lengths to which Yor is willing to go for her family here. And of course, Flashing forward to the present, the links at which she wants to survive in order to be with the eponymous spy family. In Mission 34, the hand that connects to the future, with a little happenstance help from Anya, Yor cuts down samurai shampoo and his precious hair looms as Lloyd discovers and disarms a bunch of bath bombs across the cruise ship set up by a deranged informant assassin with unfortunately impeccable timing. With the assassin group decommissioned, Yor bids farewell to Olka and Lil Gramcracker, while her director tells her to take some well-deserved PTO with her own little dysfunctional family. I like that Lloyd got a little bit of action here with the bombs. Um, that was great. But yeah, at the end, everyone was successful with their goals. Um, Yor with her mission, Lloyd with the bombs, and I guess being a, a good dad. And then Anya was saving Yor because um, that was her her thing the whole time. But I, I noticed in this episode that Lloyd had sort of a, an unusual moment. One of those moments where he has, he allows himself to have feelings, um, which sounds really, really, really harsh. But here he feels guilty leaving Anya behind again, even though it was an emergency. He says something like, here I go again, having to leave my family behind. And then tries to suppress those feelings by saying, oh, well, no, I just need to, I need to focus on the mission. And then becomes conflicted trying to convince himself that this was all part of the mission. So he's got this like back and forth um, inner conflict of 
trying to suppress his true feelings, I assume, of like him actually caring about Anya and feeling guilty as a father with just saying, oh, no, no, it's I'm only thinking this way because I need to just focus on the mission. You know what I mean? Like he's mm -hmm. he's trying to to suppress his dad feelings and overpower that with his spy feelings. That's like a like a chicken egg situation, I suppose. But yeah, this is where it it's interesting because Lloyd is, like I said earlier, kind of on a similar journey as you're in this cruise ship arc where they are starting to, I mean, it's kind of recurring throughout a lot of these episodes, but they're having second thoughts about what their focus should be uh, and, and what priority this family takes in what their focus is. In Mission 35, enjoy the resort to the fullest and bragging about vacation. The Forgers forge onward to their Animal Crossing New Horizons vacation, with Lloyd literally carrying the team aww, by the end of their carnival cruise. Anya wastes not a moment in bragging and fabricating details about her trip to deaf ears at My Eden Academia, only to be reprimanded about lying back at Casa de Forger, by a trio of grown-up hypocrites who have never once lied in their life. A lot happens in this episode, but all of it is really, really cute. Um, I love that the Forgers get to spend quality time. Um, Anya is happy. Yor is happy. Lloyd is happy that they're happy. And I really do love that moment where he's carrying both um, both Yor and Anya and then says to Yor... Lude, how lude. Yeah. <laughs> and says that Yor did a great job and smiles at her. I just thought that was nice. Because again, these are these little moments that like Lloyd tries to forbid himself from having, which is just genuinely appreciating his family and, and being happy to be with them. But here, I think he allowed himself that in that moment. Another song insert here... The song is Uneven Fruit, again by No Name, and the credits specifically call out a member, Nikki, or Nikki E. Uh, just to pull out one lyric from this, it says, The more uneven the fruit, the more adorable and sweet, which I think talks about how this family, it's like on paper should not all be together, but once they do come together, a lot of good things can come of it. I don't know if there's much to say about the the bragging a vignette from this episode besides you know Anya trying to play up how great this cruise adventure was but her classmates aren't having it and then you know Yuri debriefing with all of them at the the forger home. But yeah, like this this kind of transitions into what becomes the next phase of the filler in this season yeah i thought it was a missed opportunity to have a cute moment um between damien and anya i was like damien stick up for her feel guilty that like your crush is getting made fun of and stick up for her but nah he was just like just gazing at her from afar <laughs> in mission 36 berlin in love and nightfall's daily life Becky tries to make Lloyd fall in love with her, but anyways, Fiona takes care of Lloyd's business while he's out on PTO, but anyways, this was a waste of an episode. So this is where I think this is the weakest episode of this season. What? Well, okay, you're going to talk about the all the love stuff from the first half? Um, The Becky stuff? Yeah. I actually, 
Okay, I'm not saying that this episode was substantial by any means. It was definitely filler, but it was unhinged. This whole episode was wild. Like, bro, okay, starting off, Becky has the Forger family photo in her room. All right. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> and then good. and then Becky imploding upon meeting Lloyd and then Anya reading her mind and it's just symbols and Anya reads the symbols out loud. I mean, honestly, I'd implode I'd implode too if I met Lloyd for sure. I I don't blame her for that one, but it was just so funny. And then the the wildest part of it all is like Becky trying to seduce Lloyd. I'm sitting there cringing so hard. And then when she pretends to be drunk because of something that she saw on TV. Okay, this was good where your thing she had slipped alcohol in the tea. Yeah, I actually <laughs> laughed out loud when your was panicking, um, you know, thinking that she got her drunk and then was like sprinting to the hospital with Becky under her arm. It was just so stupid. Stupid in the funniest way and then when they all meet back up and they're at that carnival or whatever and then um uh your plays the the hammer game and she like destroys it yeah, dude lloyd's tiny round eyes oh, right, and was... <laughs> absolute stunned silence was so funny i i just thought like to me it was the stupidest thing i have seen from the show that whole becky part but i loved it so much and then i didn't really care about the fiona shit at all i was like why why is this here but mm. the becky stuff i just was like what is going on okay i guess minus all of becky's attempts at gaining lloyd's favor the first half was pretty comical I, I, one thing I love is like Anya having this running gag about the world class chefs that she would have if yeah <laughs> if uh, Becky were to become her mother, uh, and then you know this really small line from Lloyd during the hammer game where Becky fails at hitting the hammer and he says I really don't understand the children of rich people <laughs> just like <laughs> such a matter of fact statement but again coming from Lloyd I think it makes it so funny so yeah I guess the first half of this episode is redeemable the second half I think was a segment we could have done without it's just reminding us that Fiona's still around or her codename is Nightfall um, but I, I guess good for her for taking on Lloyd's work and then you know the the part the part where she skips down the hallway, and is saying like ski 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 in a yeah. very monotone voice, that was kind of funny, but I guess not on the same level as the first half. And in the final mission for season two, mission thirty seven, part of the family, this is definitely not a waste of an episode, but rather a big furry treasure of one as we see Bond trying to bond with his blonde master despite a series of unsuccessful premonitions. One burning building rescue and arsonist arrest later, and Lloyd acknowledges that Bond is not just a good boy, but a best boy, who deserves to be with best dad, best mom, and best sister. For there are good ships and cruise ships, ships that sail the sea, but the best ships are family ships, and may they always be. Wow. That's nice. <laughs> so it's yeah, it's a cute way to round out the season. I'm glad that Bond got his episode. I'm glad that he got praise from Lloyd. I love that Lloyd is just like straight up open with Bond about like his job. Obviously, he doesn't 
know that Bond has precognition powers. Bond is just trying his best. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I mean, I get it. Like Lloyd wants to train the dog really well. You know, that's that's totally understandable. And I don't know. I just I, I enjoyed it. Like, I don't there's something absolutely stand out about this. I just am happy that Bond feels that he's accepted by Lloyd and that he's a member of the family. And he got, you know, his chance to he, he got his moment, just like your got her moment. He gets his moment um, to do something really great. And yeah, I don't know. It, just was, it was a feel-good way to, to close everything out. Yeah, I love that Bond got his time to shine here because we don't really get to see him a lot in this season. And I think I just have a soft spot for Bond uh, just because he's a rescue dog. And, you know, we have experience with that with our, our former dog, Ayn. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I'm just glad that, like you said, Lloyd accepts Bond as a, a member of the family and sees what he has to contribute and kind of showing all of that with how Bond works with Lloyd in rescuing the puppy from that burning building and then eventually catching the arsonist. Well, interesting thing about this scene is, I don't know, if, have you heard about this trick of taking like a plastic bag and filling it with clean air under like the rising smoke from a fire. Um. Yeah, but Lloyd didn't even use it. Oh yeah, that's true. I think I've heard of it. I don't think anything about it. It sounded familiar, but I also was like watching, and I'm like, I don't see him using the bag of air. I guess I was just more concerned with like the practicality of this. But then I I found a, a Reddit post online that said in Japanese hotel rooms they have plastic bags to put on your head in case of a fire, and you're supposed to fill it with like the quote-unquote clean air um, that is closer to the ground. Yeah, I mean, they say if there's smoke in the air, get on the ground and army crawl because then you, oh, yeah. you'll have more, you'll have cleaner air to breathe. Okay. I guess it's just we don't have a device like that in the States, at least not to my knowledge. So just interesting little factoid that I guess comes from like Japanese culture that's injected in this show. And that brings us to our final thoughts for Spy Family Season 2. So how many cruisins for a bruisins out of 10 would you give this season? I would give it an 8.5 out of 10. I thought it was a solid season. I had a lot of fun with it. There was really only that one episode that I wasn't too impressed by. The cruise arc was really good. They didn't hold back on anything animation uh, brutality, and, and we just got to see your on full display with her assassin abilities. I think everyone got, you know, a decent part to play in all this. No one really felt backseat. Um, even Lloyd, even though he wasn't doing anything too intense, he was still being the dad and trying to navigate all of that, and he still had his moment trying to defuse the bomb, and then other, you know, small moments throughout the season. So yeah, all in all, I think it was a lot of fun. It was really, really good. I think the only thing missing is plot progression, as I mentioned in the beginning. We got the heartfelt moments, we got the your stuff, but I just don't feel like, as we talked about earlier, I don't feel like we made any steps toward the greater goal of this whole story but what about you i would give this eight cruisins for a bruisins out of 10 spy family remains an enthralling what i call casual die hard watch through its second season with its textbook mix of action comedy and thriller drama that gives you exactly what you'd expect out of spy family 
we got a hefty bit of storyline with the cruise adventure arc although it's random insertion into the middle of the season while being buffered by the series' typical daily vignettes makes the episode order seem a little sporadic. But despite this, I love that extra attention was given to Yor this time around and further expands upon her assassin background with the soft introduction to the garden, as well as her conflicting motivations on if she is really suited for this life or if she finds something even more worthwhile in her faux family. And of course, we get the slapstick misunderstandings and misjudgments that happen between the Thorn Princess, Agent Twilight, and the child and dog, Esper, which in turn makes the family feel a little more tight-knit in this outing. As usual, though, as, as Courtney mentioned, it just needs that extra dose of drama and plot to put the overtones of the Cold War between Westalis, Westalis? and Ostania into a more serious lens. Thankfully, to make up for what seemed like a blink of an eye for this series, we will soon be getting the companion movie Spy Family Code White to see more of the Forger's misadventures, as much as this may just be filler canon. But for what it's worth, Season 2 had the right amount of content to keep us cruising right along. So I guess we'll see from here um, how long it takes for us to get the Spy Family movie. Did we get confirmation about season three of Spy Family? I don't think we did. No, I think in this last episode, the pre what is the preview section just says, see you next mission. I, although I, I wouldn't be surprised if they announced the season three because get the, the hype behind this series is continuing to be carried by the movie and it seems like people aren't sick of spy family yet yeah i imagine <laughs> we'll definitely get a season three maybe sometime soon maybe they just want the dust to settle after season two thank you guys for tuning in and hope you enjoyed this episode don't forget you can get your own tokyo treat box packed with exclusive japanese snacks by following the link in the description and using code strictly anime for five dollars off your first box subscribe to strictly anime on your favorite podcast service join our discord to chat with us follow us on instagram at the strictly series on twitter at strictly series and check out our website thestrictlyseries.com if you'd like to support us then head over to patreon.com slash the strictly series be sure to check out our other podcast Strictly Jojo. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb.